Well, we're in a series called God, Love, and Sex. Uh, my title today is Bringing Sexy Back. Bringing Sexy Back. And, and I know what some of you are thinking right now, what you've been thinking for several weeks. You're thinking, I can't believe that preacher's going to talk about sex in church. Has he lost his mind? And for instance, the church, the church must address the subject of sex. Many Christ followers, even many married Christ followers, don't have a clue about what the Bible says about sex because the church has, has talked a lot against the subject of sex, but not about the subject of sex. Matter of fact, I, I grew up in church. Many of you have grown up in church, and, and, and most of us that grew up in church, here, here's the kind of things that, that we heard about sex. We heard that sex is dirty. <laughs> Sex is nasty. Sex is bad. Sex is gross. So save it for your spouse. It's encouraging. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, that's what we heard growing up. And friends, sex in and of itself is not bad. That, that leads me to point number one. If you have your bulletin, you can fill in the blanks and take this message home with you. Number one is this. Great sex was created by God. It was created by God. Sex is not nasty, nor is it evil, nor is it bad, because God created it. God intended sex to be a wonderful gift in the context of a marriage relationship. It's a wonderful gift between a husband and, and wife, a couple united in a holy matrimony. Matter of fact... Matter of fact, you can't even get out the first chapter of Genesis without God talking about sex. Not even the first chapter. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 1 and verse number 27, it says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God created the man. God created the woman. Verse 28 said, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill up the earth and subdue it. Now, I want to give a pop quiz. How many of you know how Adam and Eve, how were they going to be fruitful and increase in number? How are they going to fill the earth? Anybody know? Sex. You're scared to say it, aren't you? In church, aren't you? Yeah, that's how. Yeah, that's how. Yeah. Some of you didn't know this. I'm going to clue you in on something. Your mom and daddy never told you this, and I want to make you aware of this. The only reason you're here today is because your mama and your daddy had sex. Yeah, that's it. They never told you, but I don't want to clue you in. That's the only reason you're, you're here. Sex is not bad. God created as a wonderful gift between a husband and and a wife. Matter of fact, the scripture says this in Genesis chapter 1 and verse number 31. God saw all. Everybody shout all. He saw all that he made, the man, the woman, he created them. He made, he saw all that he had made, and it was very good. Everybody say, very good. Come on, it was very good, and there was evening, and there was morning. The sixth day, God says sex in the context of a marriage relationship is very good. I thought I had more amen for the men by now, but you'll get with me. It's early. You'll get with me a little bit. God created Adam. And understand how this worked. He created Adam. And when God first created man, he was by himself. 
And God put Adam in the garden to work the garden. And Adam was naming all of the animals and, and working for the Lord in the garden. And Adam became lonely. And God said, it's not good for man to be alone. And so out of Adam's side, he created a woman. How many of you men are glad he created a woman? Hey, come on, he created a woman. And, and this Eve he created. And Adam and Eve now, and God, you're, you're a married couple, Eve. Eve, you're, you're Adam's wife. Adam, here, here's, your, here's your wife, and, and you guys are married now. And, and God gives him the command. He says, I want you to be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth. Adam's like, can you imagine this? Adam's like, What? I mean, I've been by myself for all this time. And what are you, what, what are you talking about, God? God says, Adam, have sex with Eve and fill the earth. Huh? Sex? What, what are you talking about, God? Come here, Adam. You're going to make me lose my mind up in here. Come on, Eve looks over at Adam and says, there's a man on the floor. I mean, can you imagine? I mean, can you imagine? Huh? I mean, God said this is a wonderful gift between a man and a woman in holy matrimony. It is good. I know you've been taught it's bad, it's nasty. Yep, it's a good gift between a man and a woman. There, there's a, a second thing that, that I want you to see here. Number two is this great sex happens in a great marriage. Great sex happens in a great marriage. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 5 and verse number 18, Be happy, yes, rejoice in the wife of your youth. Let her breast and, and, and tender embrace satisfy you. And, and well, we love that part, but, but notice this. Rejoice in the wife. Understand this. I'm going to drive this home because it's so, so important. Great sex happens in a marriage relationship. Not a dating relationship, not an engaged-to-be-married relationship. God says, my plan for this wonderful gift called sex, the only way that's going to be a wonderful gift is in the context of a marriage relationship. All sex does outside of marriage is cause huge, huge problems. We see the ramifications of it today. STDs, pain and hurt, people walking around with shame and guilt, unwanted pregnancies, and the list goes on and on and on. Great sex happens in a marriage relationship. There's a second thing that I want you to see here. Great sex happens in a great, in a great marriage relationship. Listen to what the writer says in five, Proverbs 5 and verse 18. He says, be happy, be happy, yes, rejoice in the wife of your youth. And friends, one of the reasons that so many couples are frustrated sexually is because they don't have a happy marriage. They don't have a great marriage. Great and satisfying sex takes place in a marriage that is happy and where both spouses are rejoicing over one another because they have a whole and a healthy marriage. And friends, whatever it takes, sir, ma'am, whatever it takes, if your marriage is bad, your marriage is falling apart, whatever it takes, you need to get your marriage healthy. You need to get your marriage strong. It may take Christian counseling. It may take some forgiveness between one another. It may take you surrendering your entire life to the Lord Jesus Christ instead of half your life or some of your life or a quarter of your life, everything. 
to God and begin to live by his principles. Whatever the price, it is well, well worth it that your marriage can be whole and your marriage can be great because it's great marriages that, that have great great sex life. There's a, a third thing that I want you to see regarding that this whole great marriage principle. Number three is this. In a great marriage, the husband and wife are faithful and committed to each other. Great marriages, the husband and wife are faithful and committed to each other. Proverbs chapter 5 and verse 20, just that very next verse says, why be captivated, my son, by an adulteress? Don't do that. Why embrace the bosom of another man's wife? Don't do that. That You're just headed for trouble. He goes on to say in Proverbs 6 and verse number 27, he says, Can a man scoop fire into his lap without his clothes being burned? Can a man walk on hot coals without his feet being scorched? The answer is no, absolutely not. Verse 29, he says, so is he who sleeps with another man's wife. So is he or she who engages in sex outside of marriage. No one who touches her will go unpunished. Notice that, will go unpunished. There's a punishment, there's a price to pay when you engage in sex outside of marriage. And part of the punishment, sir, ma'am, is when you engage in sex outside of marriage, when you flirt with someone who's not your spouse, when, when you develop emotional connections with someone other than your spouse, all you do is erode trust in your relationship. And friends, great marriages are built around trust. And the only way you have trust in that marriage relationship is that you're faithful and you're committed to your spouse. And if you're not, friends, you're going to pay the price. You, will, you won't come through it unscathed. There will be a punishment. And part of the price will be trust broken in your relationship. One of the reasons that Tiffany and I have a great sex life, have a wonderful sex life, is because we're committed to one another. We're faithful to one another. Tiffany knows that she's the only woman in my life. I don't want another woman. I love my wife. She's my best friend. She's my lover. She's the mother of my children. She's the absolute love of my life. She knows that I'm faithful to my wife. I'm committed to my wife. I know that I'm the only man in Tiffany's life. She knows one other man. She's committed to me. We tell that to one another verbally. We show it in our actions. And there, there's because of that, there's great trust in our, in our marriage because we're faithful and committed. There's trust in our marriage. And great marriages have great trust. And where there's great trust and great commitment in a marriage relationship, friends, there'll be a great sex life. There's a, a third thing that I want you to see here. Number three is, there, is this. Great sex happens with great communication. With great communication. And here's what I know about some of your marriages. Your marriage stinks today because you, your communication stinks. And because your communication stinks, your sex life stinks. And friends, you have to have great communication in a great marriage relationship. You have to talk. You have to open up. You have to be honest with one another. Here's what the scripture says in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse number 3. And we're going to come back to, to read some more of these verses in, in just a little bit. But, but the context of this scripture and, and the following verses is dealing with sex in the marriage relationship. And the scripture says the husband shall fulfill his marital duty. I want you to catch that. The Bible calls this whole sexual relationship between a husband and wife the marital duty to his wife. And likewise, the wife to her husband. There's a marital duty. 
And please understand something. In every marriage relationship, the duties and the expectations regarding the sexual arena is different in every marriage. It's different for your marriage and my marriage. The expectations, expectations are different between somebody, even that you're sitting by today. There are different expectations. And the only way, listen, the only way that you can know the marital duty, the expectations, is you've got to sit down and talk about it. So many marriages don't have good communication. The couples don't talk. They talk so surface. And they never sit down and talk about, talk about the raw reality. What do you like? What do you don't like? How do I make you happy? How do we strengthen our marriage? They don't talk. They don't communicate. And great marriages have great, great communication. I, I love what the Bible says in, in Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 17 out of the Living Bible. It says an unreliable messenger can cause a lot of trouble. Reliable, reliable communication permits progress. Reliable communication permits progress. Sir, ma'am, if you want progress in your marriage, if you want progress in your sex life, it will take communication. You got to talk about it. You got to open up and be honest. Now, some of you are already very uncomfortable, and I'm going to make you more uncomfortable right now. Here, here's the deal. I want to encourage you this week, this week, all you married folks, just sit down with your spouse. And you guys, don't get nasty. Don't get hateful. Don't throw things in each other's face. But sit down and ask this question. What can I do in our marriage to improve our marriage? What can I do in our sex life to improve our sex life? And you ask the same question back. Communicate. Some of you, you're so surface, you hadn't talked in years about real stuff, about heartfelt stuff. Oh, you talk about the kids and talk about the grandkids and you talk about the weather and how you did at work. And, uh, but you don't get real. And I'm telling you, reliable communication permits progress. Sit down and talk and open up and be honest. And I know some of you men, you feel like, well, I'm macho. I don't talk about that stuff and express my feelings. Well, get over it. And some of you ladies, here's what you think. Well, if he really loved me, he would know what I'm thinking. We don't. We don't know what you're thinking. You better help us out and tell us. Yeah, you better tell us. It takes communication, folks. There's a, a fourth thing, a fourth thing that we need to grab a hold of today. Number four is this. Great sex happens with great courtship. With great courtship. I love the old saying, if there was more courting in marriages, there would be fewer marriages in court. There is a lot of truth to that statement. You see, most people, they get married and they stop courting their spouse. The, 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 the husband, you know, he's a, he, he likes to conquer. And boy, he, he, before he got married, he, he was conquering and, and looking to get a spouse. And so he's focused and he was conquer, He's a conqueror. He got his bride and then, then he quit, quit dating her, quit courting her. The, the, the wife, she just got busy, maybe had kids and got involved with the kids and activities and maybe in the workplace and pursuing degrees and pursuing friendships. And, and she got so busy and, and now the husband's drifted, the wife is drifted, and there is no courtship in that marriage relationship. The, the chemistry, the, the romance has faded. The connection has, has faded. Jesus gives a very powerful principle about how to restore a relationship. And the context of this is dealing with our Heavenly Father. 
but we can extract some principles from it. Notice this, Revelation chapter 2 and verse number 4. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. Love. Verse 5, remember the height from which you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. Jesus said, listen, our relationship used to be tight. We used to be connected. It used to be thriving. It used to be vibrant. And now there's distance between our relationship. And Jesus said, listen, if you want to fix that, that relationship between me and you, he says, you need to repent and start doing the things you did at first. Start, start return back to what you used to do. When you first fell in love with me. And the same is true in your marriage relationship. The fires have died. The connection and romance has faded. There's distance. You know how to get that back? You need to start doing the things that you used to do. You need to start doing the things that you you did to, to win your spouse over. You need to start courting your spouse again. Here's what you have to understand is great sex happens long before the bedroom. There's wonderful courtship in a healthy, strong, growing marriage. Let me just give some, some practical help here on, on, on how to, to get courtship back in, in your marriage. If you're not doing this, just, just, just jot this down. Number one is this. If you're not doing this, you have to start dating your spouse again. Start dating your spouse again. Tiffany and I, we, we go out uh, every other week, twice a month. We go on a date and we used to go out once a week together before we had the three amigos, but since the three amigos popped up in our life, that made it a little bit more challenging. But, but every other week we go out on a date to talk, to communicate, to connect. Listen, it's one of the best things that we do in our marriage, to pull away, to talk, to connect. I can get in her world, she can get in mine. It's, it's just a wonderful thing that we do. And I want to encourage you to do that. Listen, let me describe to you what a date is not. A date is not you and the kids going out together. No, that's not a date. A date is not you and three other couples going out with you. That's not a date. That's work. That's what that's called, work. Yeah, i got to entertain you. It's work. I don't want to do that. Listen, a date is you and your spouse going out and talking, connecting, opening up, and getting real with one another. That will bring back some chemistry. That will bring back a great bond in your marriage. There's a second thing that I want to encourage you to do regarding courtship. Number two is this. Get away with your spouse at least twice a year. Get away with your spouse at least twice a year. Pull away. I mean, maybe it's here in Oklahoma City. You just pull away the two of you and get away somewhere. Maybe it's drive to Tulsa. Maybe drive to Dallas. But whatever works for you. But just get away a couple times a year to ignite the fire, to talk, to hang out, to love on one another. Pull away. And I know what some of you are thinking. Pastor, that's not even practical. We're busy. We got busy lives and there's no way we can pull away and spend. That's not even practical. Don't, don't talk to me about being busy. I got three kids, three-year-old, a two-year-old, and a one-year-old. Okay, don't talk to me about busy. I got two kids in diapers. Two of them can't talk. Don't, don't tell me about busy. Passing one of the fastest growing churches in America, a growing staff. Don't talk to me about being busy. Here's what I know about you as well as I know about me. We make time to do what we want to do. That's just the truth. You make time to go shopping. You make time to go golfing. You make time to hang with the fellas. You make time to hang with the girls. Listen, you make time to do what you want to do. And I'm telling you, your marriage is worth the investment. Your marriage is worth pulling away a couple of times a year to rekindle and ignite the fire again. It's worth it. There's a, a, a third thing that 
I want to encourage you to do regarding this, this whole courtship issue, re- re- igniting the fire again, doing the things you used to do. Number three is this. Start doing special things for your spouse again. Do special things. Buy, buy her some chocolate, candy, buy, buy her some flowers. Now, I don't understand why. I'm not a woman. I don't, I don't understand, understand why women like flowers. They're going to die in a week, but they like them, so buy some. Buy, buy her some. She, she likes them. Hold each other's hands. I mean, some of y'all hadn't held hands in so long. I mean, y'all fool around and touch each other's hands. Oh, I can't believe your, your hands are different. They're rougher than they used to be. I mean, you, you hadn't held hands. I mean, I see how some of y'all act. Y'all, y'all walk somewhere together, and you don't even know y'all together. You walk way over there, and he walks way over here. And y'all walking around. Don't even, I mean, y'all didn't used to do that. Y'all used to, when y'all were dating, be so close and holding hands and grabbing and snuggling. Now you act like y'all ain't even together anymore. You've got to start doing the things that you used to do. Come on, open the car door for her. Cook his favorite meal. Come on, buy her a new pair of shoes. Come on, ladies, say two pair of shoes. That's right, come on, two pair. I don't know what you're talking about, Pastor. I want two pair of shoes. But mind me, one pair, get me two, brother. Don't do the things you used to do. Come on, men, tell, tell your wife, come on, buy, buy, ladies, buy, buy a nice outfit from Victoria's Secrets. Oh, I said it. That's right. I said it. Yeah. Yeah, I said it. Oh. Yeah, I said it. Yeah. Come on. Yeah, I did. Come on, do the things you used to do. Write each other a love note. Call during the day at least once a week. Maybe I call just to tell you I love you. I'm thinking about you. Come on, pull out one of those old high school lines. You know them old high school lines? Come on, pull one of them out again and say, so, baby, I'm tired because you've been running through my mind all day long. Come on. Come on. Break out one of them old high school lines. And, baby, I, I love you. Start doing the things that, that you used to do. There's a, a fourth thing that I, I want to share with you regarding this whole courtship issue. Number four is this. Start communicating to your spouse how much you love them. Start, you know, some of y'all talk bad to each other. Real bad. I mean, I would never know that you liked each other the way you talked to one another. And you've got to start talking nice to one another again and romantic to one another again. Men, talk to your wife like you used to talk to her before you were married. Talk to her nice. I mean, I want you to hear how the husband in Song of Solomon talked to his wife. I mean, this man knew how to talk romantically to his wife. He knew how to romance his wife with his words. Notice this, Song of Solomon chapter 4 and and verse number 1, that the husband says to his wife, How beautiful you are, my love. How beautiful. Your eyes are those of doves. Come on, man, write some of this stuff down. This is good. It's good. Your eyes are those of doves. Listen to what he says to his wife. Your hair falls across your face like flocks of goats that frisk across the slopes of Gilead. Come on, tell your wife, baby, you got goat hair. Come on, it looks good. I like that goat hair, girl. You look good. That was a compliment back then, but you, you hear what I'm saying? I mean, listen to how he talks to his wife. Notice what he says to her in, in verse 2. He says, honey, your teeth are white as sheep's wool. Come on, now, you may say, baby, your teeth are a little yellow, but I love you, girl. You, you're mine. I love you. Yellow and all, I love you. He says, baby, your, your teeth are newly shorn. And washed perfectly matched. Here's my favorite part. Without one missing. He said, girl, you got all your teeth. <laughs> he said, girl, we don't even have a dentist, but you got all your teeth. You're my woman. You don't got one missing. Come on. Listen to how he talks to his wife. 
I mean, this man knows how to talk to his wife without one missing. Listen to what he says in verse 3. He says, I mean, he probably talked a little very white to her. Your lips are like a thread of scarlet, and how beautiful your mouth. Your cheeks are matched loveliness behind your locks. Notice what he says in verse 7. I mean, this guy knew. You want to know why they had a wonderful sex life and wonderful intimacy? Man, they knew how to talk to one another. Verse 7, he says, you are so beautiful, my love, in every part of you. Come on, man. Start telling your bride that, baby, you're, you're fine. You, you look good to me. Come on, when's the last time you told your wife, you're the best thing that ever happened to me? I love you so much. I always tell Tiffany, and she blushes and tells me to quit. But I tell her this. I say, babe, you know what? God not making women like he, like he used to. Because I'm telling you, when he made you, girl, woo-wee. <laughs> you know, there's not a day that goes by that I don't tell my wife I love her. She's the love of my life. And all I'm telling you, man, start speaking kind to your life again. Start, start letting her know how much you love her. Ladies, ladies, talk to your husband like you used to talk to him before you were married. I want you to listen how, to, to how the wife in Song of Solomon talked to her husband. Listen to this. In Songs of Solomon chapter 5 and verse number 10, she, she tells her husband, My beloved one is tanned and handsome. And I know some of your husbands are white as rice, and that's all right. That's, just say, just tell me to get some spray tan, lay in the sun. I, I know you don't look like Pastor Herbert. I'm praying for you. That's all right. That's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Just by faith, just say you're tanned and handsome, better than 10,000 others. Listen to what she says to him. His head is purest gold, and his, he has wavy raven hair. And some of you, you ladies, you have to focus on the first part of that verse because your husband don't have no hair. But his head, his head is purest gold. Come on, tell your husband your hair. Listen to what she says in verse 12. His eyes are like doves beside the water brooks, deep and quiet. His cheeks are like sweetly scented beds of spices. Come on, ladies, write some of this down. This is good. His lips are perfumed lilies. His breath is like mirror. She didn't say moo or yeah. Men, brush your teeth, brothers. I'm helping you. He had good smelling breath. Verse 14, she said, his arms are round bars. For some of you, it may be his belly too, but that's okay. His arms are round bars of gold set with topaz. His body is bright ivory encrusted with jewels. His legs are as pillars of marble set in sockets of finest gold like cedars of Lebanon. None, notice this, none can rival him. She said, there's no one like my man. There's no one like my lover. There's no one like my husband. No one can rival him. Ladies, you tell your man that, he's going to start walking around like a peacock. I'm telling you, if you start telling him that, his mouth is altogether sweet, lovable in every way. All I'm telling you is, listen, start complimenting your spouse again. Start doing the things that you did before you got married and watch the chemistry return. Watch the romance return. Watch the connection return. Listen, great sex starts long before the bedroom. There's wonderful courtship in great marriages. There's a, a fifth thing that I want to share with you before we close. Number five is this. Great sex happens when both spouses focus on one another's needs. When they focus on one another's needs. Look with me in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. We, we read the verse earlier, verse 3, about the marital duty. And, and let's pick up in verse number 4. The scripture says, The wife's body does not belong to her alone but also to her husband. 
In the same way, the husband's body does not belong to him alone, but also to his wife. Verse 5, do not deprive each other. Listen, when it comes to a marriage relationship, you shouldn't deprive your spouse of the wonderful gift of, of lovemaking. You shouldn't manipulate your spouse to try to control with the wonderful gift of lovemaking. And unfortunately, in so many marriages, even Christian marriages, the spouses deprive one another and manipulate one another. They're cruel to each other when it comes to this area of lovemaking. You know what it's kind of like? You know, some of your marriages are, are like this. You know, it's kind of like lovemaking compared to this bottle of water. And that bottle of water is on your spouse's side of the bed. And you're on the other side of the bed. And you ask your spouse, babe, can I, can I please have some water tonight? Would, would you give me some water? No. Please, baby, can I have some water? No, I might give you some water tomorrow. <laughs> the next night, babe, can I have some wa- water? I'm really thirsty. I got a headache. Please, baby, can I? Have- I'm tired. I had a long day. Please, baby, can I? Please, can I? I'm really, really thirsty. We're here. Drink it then. Here. Some of you won't laugh because I'm talking about your marriage. I don't know. Yeah. yeah I hear you. Yeah. And, and the Bible says, do not deprive each other except, except, I mean, the Bible has a lot to say about sex and marriage, except by mutual consent. You, you, you both agree. You talk to say, we're going we're gonna to abstain. Why? For mutual consent and for a time so that you may devote yourselves to prayer. The Bible says the primary reason you abstain from, from sexual relationship with your spouse is to seek the Lord, is to pray. And, and I know you ladies got a new line now. It's not you got a headache. It's, baby, I'm praying. I'm seeking the Lord right now. Is Paul saying, is Paul saying that, that you can never say no in a marriage relationship? That, that's not the real issue. The issue is this. No should be a rarity. No should be a rarity because, because listen, I, I don't want to deprive my spouse from their needs being being met. And notice what Paul goes on to say. He says, then come together again so that Satan, don't deprive, so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Here's the principle that Christian husbands and wives must understand. When you get married, your body does not belong to you alone now. It also belongs to your spouse. It's principle in the scripture. And so if you're a, a Christ follower, if you're a Christian and you're operating by the word of God, this should be your thought pattern. This is how you should think. You should think like this. My, my body doesn't just belong to me. It belongs to my spouse. So how can I use my body to, to, to minister and to take care of my spouse's needs? Because my body doesn't belong to me alone. Husband, you, you can't be selfish, husband. You can't just think about yourself. You have to think, how can I use my body, my time, my energy, my creativity to, to take care and meet my spouse's needs? If you're thinking in a biblical pattern, wives, you're saying, listen, I, I belong to the Lord. My body's not just mine. It also belongs to my spouse. How can I use my body, my time, my energy, my creativity to meet my spouse's needs? And you know what happens in so many marriages? So many marriages have a, have a disease. They're full of a disease, and the disease is called selfishness. And the marriage becomes all about me and what I want and my needs. And I'm telling you, in great marriages that are honoring the Lord Jesus Christ, the spouses have their eyes on the Lord, 
They have their eyes in his word. And both spouses are saying, you know what? It's not about me. What can I do to take care of your needs? That's the husband's mindset. The wife's mindset is, husband, what, what can I do to take care of your needs? And when both spouses have that mindset, it's a wonderful, wonderful marriage. It's a marriage made in heaven. When selfish is not dominating that marriage, and both are surrendered to the Lord Jesus Christ, and their eyes are not on them, their eyes are on their spouse, and trying to meet their spouse's needs. That's a wonderful, wonderful marriage. Here's what I know today. Some of you here, this has been a tough message because things are not so great in the romance department. You haven't been intimate in weeks and months, some in years. Some of you, your, your marriage is not going too good. Things are not real happy. Things are falling apart. And this marriage has been real. This, this, this sermon has been really, really tough. And here's what I want you to know is that God's a, a God that restores. God's a God that helps. God is a God that heals. Don't, don't buy into the tabloids. Don't buy into our society's thinking on marriage. Oh, marriage has to be horrible. Just horrible. No, 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 no. It can be a good thing. I'm a living witness. Marriage can be wonderful. It's a lot of hard work, but it can be wonderful. It can be wonderful. Quit hanging around those girls, ladies. You're hanging around some girls that's feeding your mind sex and married, lying, husband. Don't, don't listen to that. Man, get, 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 get from that break room where the men are talking bad about their wives. No, 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 no. Marriage is a gift from God. Love making in a marriage is a gift from God. And your marriage can be what God intended to be. And God can start today by changing your heart, changing your life, by restoring, by ministering to you. Listen, listen, listen. With God's help, your marriage is going to thrive and not just survive. Your romance life is going to thrive and not just survive. Lord, thanks for your word.